the hive. Fall in the country was a beautiful thing. The leaves turned to gold and brown and red and yellow. The temperature dropped below 50 every night, and everything felt like it was just hunkering down. By late September, my leg was healing up good, even after it almost got broke a second time. My second cast was off, but I still had a boot on. I was worried, though, because I needed physical therapy to get back to normal, and physical therapy cost a lot of money. A lot of money we didn't have. Daddy didn't want to hear it. You're getting PT, he said. He was sitting in his chair in front of the fireplace, sharpening his knife, a big bowie he'd had since he was a kid. I liked the sound it made as he scraped against the sharpening stone. How? You gonna sell your new pickup truck? No, but I will plant some winter pot. I thought you said that was dangerous. Don't the feds have them thermal cameras? We'll be fine. It's just this one time. I gave him my best disapproving look, but he wasn't swayed. Manda, you break a bone, it don't ever heal complete. Without physical therapy, it just gets worse. Look. He held his left thumb up at me like it was a crown jewels. Daddy had been using it as evidence of the frailty of the human body since I was in kindergarten. Stub a toe? Better watch out this don't happen to you. Bruise a rib? I bet it looks like this. And it did look pretty gross. Damn thing was crooked as a senator. It twisted to the left and almost ran straight into his pointer finger before it straightened out again. And there was a notch in it down at the bottom like whatever happened it created a new knuckle. He could have gotten it fixed, but he said he liked it that way mainly because he could dislocate it at will. It was his favorite party trick. Tie his wrists together, pop his thumb out of joint, and slip out of the bind. Fine, I said, but if you get busted, I better not hear no complaints. If I get busted, you won't hear a thing from me. I'll be in the federal pen. A few nights later, a goat drowner rolled through the country. I was jolted out of sleep by a clap of thunder so loud that it shook the whole house. I started to freak out a little bit, but before I could get out of control, Daddy poked his head in my room and said, Don't sweat it, sugar booger. It's just a thunderstorm. Don't call me sugar booger. Okay. I went back to sleep to the soothing sound of sheets of rain punctured by Daddy's startled muttering every time lightning struck. The next morning was calm and clear. The house was still when I woke up, and when I shuffled into the kitchen, I saw the note Daddy left on the counter. Blues, it said, in his typically verbose style. Blue was a former Marine. He owned a guns and ammo store in Partlow. He and Daddy had an arrangement. Daddy kept him in as much pot as he could smoke, and Blue kept Daddy in as many bullets as he could fire. Doctor said I should be walking around as much as I could, at least until it began to hurt, and after breakfast, I decided to head out into the yard and do some chores and clean up. The storm had downed a few trees on the edge of the fields, and a handful of shingles had blown off the barn roof, but other than that, everything was basically fine. I just sat down on the back step with a cup of coffee when a boy came walking out of the woods. Number 22, one of the barn cats who thought he was a house cat, rubbed himself up against my leg and I pet him and he meowed. I pointed my mug at the kid who was now walking across my backyard. Look there, number 22, that's little Seb Mack. Seb Mack walked right up to me as if we had a date and said, I'm Seb Mack and something's wrong with my mama. Seb Mack didn't have to walk 10 miles from his broke down trailer to my back step to provide me with that information. Everybody in Spicy knew who his mama was and everybody in Spicy knew there was something wrong with her. Hell. There was something wrong with the entire Mac family, 
fathers, mothers, uncles, cousins, grandparents, probably even some distant relations we ain't never met. I know who you are, said Mac. What's wrong with your mama this time? She ain't right. Then the weirdest thing happened. Number 22 hopped up on the rail behind me, took one look at Seb Mac, flattened his ears, and took to hissing and growling. Seb Mac locked eyes with him and glared. And that's when I noticed the deep black bags under his eyes and how pale his face looked. Mama Mac preferred her chemicals and alcohol to the feeding and maintenance of her offspring, but none of them ever looked as sick and as malnourished as Seb Mac did right at that moment. I could see the bones of his cheeks and the skin around his forehead looked clenched and thin, like it had been torqued tight with a socket wrench. He took what looked like an involuntary step toward the cat, his arm partially raised, and number 22 leapt off the rail and sprinted away, nearly running right into Daddy as he came around the corner carrying a new flight of plants. My leg was getting tight, so I stretched it out in front of me. Hey, Daddy. Hey. How are your errands? Got her done. He brought the flat over to the steel bulkhead that led to the cellar and put it down on the grass. What's he want, he asked, fishing the keys out of his pocket. You want to tell him, said Mac? I'm said Mac and something's wrong with my mama. Daddy kneeled down and unlocked the bulkhead, pulling it open with a squeal. Hell, boy, you didn't have to walk all the way over here to tell me that. Daddy, stop. Look at him. Manda, I ain't got time to deal with the Macs today. Just come here and look at him. Daddy sighed and came over, held the boy's chin and turned his head from side to side. What's she got into now, boy? Number 22 sauntered over as if nothing had ever happened, and Seb's eyes locked onto him. She been beating you? Feeding you? When's the last time you had a bath? Seb followed the cat, and his hands started to flex and relax, flex and relax. Kept doing that until Daddy snapped his fingers in front of the boy's eyes. Hey, Seb Mac, you hear me? Mama got the infection. Infection? What infection? She gave it to Amaral and Brindle. Amaral and Brindle were Seb Mac's little sisters. Your mama got your sister sick? She made him sick. Fed him to the hive. Daddy stood up and put his hands on his hips. I knew what he was thinking. Damn, that hive again. Amanda, I'll go get your guns. Seb Mac sat between Daddy and me on the drive over. Daddy tried to press him for more information about the hive, how big it was, what it looked like, why it ate kids, why his mama was feeding the kids, but Seb refused to answer. Daddy grit his teeth. Anybody ever tell you it's rude to ignore people? It was noon by the time we made it out to the Mac's place. They lived in a trailer about a mile back off Post Oak, close to Brokenburg. The entrance to their property wasn't marked, but my family had been in Spotsy for five generations. None of us needed no sign to show us where they lived. The driveway ran through thick forest, all two miles of it, dead-ending in what looked like a setting from a horror movie. Seb Mac's mama's trailer stood in the middle of a clearing. The roof was blanketed with leaves, and the foundation had sunk about a foot into the soft dirt underneath. The siding was so covered with moss and grime that it blended in with its surroundings. At first, I thought the condition of the trailer, not to mention the various rusty car parts, appliances, and trash scattered around the front, 
was just another expression of typical Mac laziness. But then I realized it might have been a strategy. Blend in enough with your surroundings and nobody will ever bother you. Daddy stopped about 50 yards from the trailer and put his truck in the park, leaving the keys in the ignition like he always did. You need to go farther, said Mac said. No can do, son. You need to go farther in. Daddy pointed out the windshield. You see them trees? They're leaning up against each other. With last night's rain, they're like the fallen blocked the way out. Said Mac looked stunned. He hadn't considered that. Daddy chose to kick the bottom of the trailer door rather than touch any part of it with his exposed skin. Mama Mac, it's Bill Jet. I got your boy Seb Mac out here. He waited a minute before kicking it again. Mama Mac? Nothing. He looked down at the boy. You sure she's home? Seb Mac nodded solemnly. The woods were quiet. No birds flitting around in the trees. No squirrels skitting around in the leaves. I didn't expect a scene from a Disney movie, but we were out in the middle of the woods. There should have been at least a coon waddling around. Of course, the Macs were hunters. They could have picked the area clean already, which would have been stupid, seeing as though it was only the beginning of fall and all. Daddy shrugged his rifle off his shoulder. Mandy, you wait here. What? No, you remember how that worked out last time? Good point. Here. He pulled the sidearm out of his pocket and handed it to me. Safety's on. I checked the chamber, checked the magazine, loaded in full. Wouldn't have expected anything else. Daddy went in first and immediately stepped in something gross. He lifted up his foot, stretching long strings of thick, gooey slime stuck to the bottom of his shoe in the tacky tile and little square entry. It was pretty disgusting. What the hell is that? I asked. How many times I gotta tell you not to say hell? A lot. I don't know why you're so hung up on it. Daddy took a step back and shook his leg, trying to break the slimy string. It's unla- Aw, hell, I stepped in some more. He tiptoed over to the living room to wipe his shoes off on the carpet, and I took a look around the place. The kitchen was a proper mess. Dishes piled up in the sink, counter covered in all kinds of muck, red sauce, dried spaghetti, open cans of half-eaten beefaroni. Fruit flies crawled all over a rotten bunch of bananas hanging under an equally rotten and fly-covered handful of tomatoes. And the smell. I hadn't smelled anything like it, and I grew up raising goats and pigs. It reminded me of the time a hunting dog got into our pig pen and gutted one of our sows and all our piglets. Something thumped in the back room, and Daddy and I shared a look. Manda, he said, and then the front door slammed shut. I went over and tried to pull it open, but it wouldn't budge. I yanked and yanked, and it gave a little before slamming shut again. Seb Mac, you open this door right now? He didn't reply. Seb Mac, I swear to God, I'm going to shoot this thing to bits if you don't let it go. I had no intention of doing so, but he was just a kid, so it didn't hurt to try and scare him. I was about to threaten him again when his face popped up in the window next to the door. Seb Mac, you open this door. He stared back at me. Then another face showed up, and another, and another. Faces popped up in all the windows, and the one over the sink, the two in the living room, Max. All of them. It looked like the entire clan had showed up. Seb's uncles and aunts, brothers, sisters, cousins. And if that wasn't creepy enough, they all started banging on the side of the trailer. The trailer wasn't exactly professionally anchored to any real foundation, so you can imagine the effect that had. Glasses fell and broke on the tile. The velvet posters of dogs playing poker and Elvis and skeletons at a feast, too. I backed away to the middle of the living room and stood back to back with Daddy. Let's go, he said. Where are we going? Well, maybe there's a way out the back. You gonna punch a hole in the wall? Might already be one there. The hallway to the back was so narrow that we had to walk single file. Daddy first, then me. This is where the bedrooms were. Daddy pulled the sliding door of the first one aside, but it was empty. And judging by the crayon drawings and the decapitated dolls, 
This was where little Amaral and Brindle slept. Or performed voodoo ceremonies. I didn't need to see the cutout magazine covers of football players scattered all over the floor and know the next one was Seb Max. Both of them had windows, and both them windows was filled with Max. That left the master. And unlike the others, it had a door with hinges, but it was shut and locked tight. Daddy said, give me some space. I did, and he leaned back and leveled a powerful kick at the door. If he'd kicked the handle, he might have gotten the result he was aiming for, but this was a hollow core door, about as solid as a balloon, and his foot crashed right through and got caught on the other side. Ah, hell, he said, yanking it out. I leaned over to look through the hole he made. The room was predictably depressing. It had just enough space to fit a queen-size bed and a little chest of drawers at the end. I was about to say I didn't see anything when Mama Mac's face shot up on the other side. She was red-eyed and green-skinned and something was bulging in her cheeks. Jesus, I screamed. But before I could pull away, she coughed and a green cloud shot right into my face. I fell back, retching and hacking as a green cloud slicked down my throat and into my lungs. I could hear Daddy screaming my name and the door to Mama Mac's room explode. Then it sounded like all the windows all over the trail burst in at the same time and my head was filled with a roar and a fury. I'd like to say I passed out. That would have been nice. But I was awake through the whole thing. I saw Daddy shoot Mama Mac. I saw Mama Mac jerk like she'd been pinched with a pea shooter, not clobbered with a .30-06. I saw the hallway flood with people. Daddy got off a few more rounds before they took him down. Then Mama Mac burst out of her room and jumped on him, leaned over his face and heaved out a thick cloud of that green stuff. Everything kind of went herky-jerky after that. They tied our feet together with rope, did the same to our hands, laying them on our chests, making sure to cinch daddies up extra tight. Then they carried us out to the woods. Must have walked for at least a mile, up and down hills, deeper and deeper into the darkest part of Spotsylvania I never wanted to see. They lugged us all the way out to a clearing in the middle of the woods, where another hive was waiting, laid us out next to two other unconscious people, and stood around us in a semicircle. Seb Mac tramped up behind, looking ridiculous with Daddy's rifle strapped over his shoulder and my gun jammed into his belt, but he was the one who was strapped, not me. The green haze started to wear off, and I was finally able to think clearly. Problem was, thinking put me in a panic, and panicking didn't do nothing to help. Then I smelled it. The rot. Worse than in Mama Mac's trailer. Worse than that time our pigs got killed. I sat up and looked around. Bodies. At least a dozen. All of them with their feet and wrists tied tight with rope. All of them in various stages of decomposition. All of them with a hole the size of a bowling ball in their chests. If I thought I was panicking before, I didn't know what the word meant. Who the fuck are you? It was a guy on the other side of Daddy. He'd come around, too. He was wearing city clothes, jeans, and a button-up, and his face was pale and his lips was blue, but he was alive. At the sound of his voice, Daddy's eyes popped open. Daddy, I said. He didn't move. Daddy, wake up! All the Max but Seb started to sing, and it was a horrible noise, deep and guttural, filled with a weird dissonance. My chorus teacher played us a song once that sounded like it. I I can't remember the composer, but it was some old German guy. It was terrible music, and the noise coming out of the throats of the things around us sounded exactly like it. The city boy didn't like it too much, neither. The fuck is this? He yelled. What the fuck is wrong with you fucking rednecks? The hive in the clearing cracked open, and those stupid tentacles slithered out again, four of them this time. One slid through the leaves toward a woman on my right and wound its way up her leg. She stirred and moaned, and when the tentacle tightened around her thigh, she sat up, screaming. One of the Macs stomped through the leaves, grabbed her by the shoulders, and slammed her back to the ground. Let me go, the woman yelled, but the Mac clamped on tighter. Then the tentacle wound into the air, button-hooked over her chest, and slammed down into it. She was dead before her last breath left her body. 
The tentacles started to undulate and pulse, and her corpse seemed to deflate. Holy shit, my city friend screamed. He rolled onto his side, pushed himself up off the ground. Them bound-up feet didn't allow for much more than a desperate hopping, but he did his level best. Seb Mack pulled my gun out of his belt, closed one eye shut, tracking him as he ran past his singing brothers. He aimed and fired, but the city boy ducked right before Seb pulled the trigger, and Seb's bullet hit one of the other Macs right in the chest. I think it was his brother, Mac Mac. Mac Mac went down in a heap, dead. I swear, if I hadn't turned my head when he fired, I would have missed something important. But I did turn my head, and when Mac Mac went down, the tentacles squirming through the forest floor toward me stopped moving. Just up and went dormant. I heard another shot and turned back just in time to see the city boy jumping full steam at Seb Mac. Seb Mac fired again, and City Boy, who I had to have outweighed him by at least 100 pounds, didn't just fall on Seb Mac, he engulfed the kid. We wasn't out of the woods yet. The other Macs kept on singing, and the other tentacles kept coming on. Manda, Daddy gasped. His eyes were still wide and dilated, but he was wiggling his fingers. Crack it. What? He wiggled his fingers again. Crack it. And then I understood. I rolled over, got to my knees, and grabbed his jacked-up thumb. I'm going to count to three, okay? Okay. Here we go. One, and I popped it out of joint. The scream that erupted from his mouth was louder and uglier than anything any of them Max could ever produce. He sat straight up, pulling his hand out of the rope, and popped his thumb back into joint. As if it knew what had happened, his tentacles skipped the winding around the legs part and went right to the button hooking and the plunging. At the same time, the Mac it belonged to stomped through the leaves towards us. I took it upon myself to get to my feet and take it on. I don't know what I was going to do. My foot was screaming in that boot, and the Mac outweighed me more than Ruth Grace Hogg ever did. But unlike that mismatch, I had the advantage. Ruth Grace had at least a little intelligence. That Mac looked like it had the mind of a vegetable. My plan was simple. I hopped right up to it like I was going to take it down with a big hug, but dropped at the last second and took it out at the knees. Chop block. The Mac went down face first. Its head hit the ground at a weird angle, and it jerked once and fell still. The tentacle hovering over Daddy went limp and landed next to him. Daddy didn't waste any time. He popped up off the ground and jumped on that last Mac, wrapped his rope around its neck, and choked it out. Then he limped over to me, winded. Give me your hands. He untied him. You okay? He asked, working on my feet. No. Well, me neat. A shot rang out, and he went down to one knee. Said Mac and managed to scramble out from under the bulk of that city boy. Daddy winced. A flower of blood blossomed on his shoulder. It's just a stinger. Another shot rang out, and Daddy stifled a yelp. Left leg. He got my rope untied, and I jumped up and sprinted for Seb Mack. Well, maybe sprinted isn't the right word. I, I galloped and weaved, my boot making me lean a little bit to the left. Worked out in my favor, though. Seb was an okay shot if you stayed completely still and had your back to him, but I was a moving target. He managed to fire off two rounds before I hit him right in the chest and brought him down. Ripping my three fifty seven out of his hands was easy. Fire at me with my own gun, I yelled, and pistol-whipped him. His head snapped back and he gnashed his teeth at me. I bashed him in the nose. I stove in his temple. I knocked out his teeth. Seb Mac's eyes stayed wide open the whole time. The cords in his neck standing out. He slapped at my face, but I kept on hitting him until his skull cracked open and I saw something pink and green and white spill out. I didn't stop then, not even after his arms went limp. I kept hitting him over and over, mashing his face to pulp. I would have kept on going if Daddy hadn't caught my arm. Manda, it's enough. You did enough. Daddy was right about them trees. They'd fallen in the road at some point during the day, and if our truck had been there, well, we wouldn't have had a truck no more. Neither of us spoke very much on the way back, and even though my boot was near to falling off and my leg ached something terrible, 
I didn't feel like complaining. We were about halfway home when I saw the blood from his shoulder had nearly soaked through his shirt. You're bleeding too much, I said. He covered the wound with his left hand, kept driving with the right. I'm fine. Take your hand off it and let me see. Man, what have you always told me? Just because you're tough don't mean you're stupid. He shot me a quick, meaningful glance and took his hand away. There was a hole in his shirt where the bullet hit. I ripped it open a little wider and he sucked in his breath. It didn't come out. You're going to need a doctor. I can do it myself. You can get a bullet out of your arm by yourself. Maybe. He turned east on the post oak instead of west. We rode in silence a little while longer. And every now and then I looked out the back window, sure I'd see a pot of them max on our tail. This ain't over, is it? I asked. Nope. What are we going to do? He didn't say anything. He drove into Partlow, past Cross Creek, staying quiet all the way to Blue's Custom Guns. Then he parked and got out. Hand me my armor bag, will you, Amanda? He didn't have to explain anything after that. Hey, hey, thank you for tuning in to the Mad Tales podcast. I hope you enjoyed this week's chapter. If you cannot wait until next week to finish the story, you can always buy it in ebook and paperback form from Amazon.com, or you can buy it directly from me, both in ebook and in paperback, a signed paperback nonetheless, uh, from my website, www.jamesnoll.net. That's www.jamesnoll.net. And if you would love to support me on Patreon, I would love you to support me on Patreon. I'm offering all kinds of cool extras, including access to bonus material, uh, the ebooks released one week at a time, the chapter at a time, uh, customized short stories. And if I can build enough of a following, I want to film a live action version of Make the Hive Great Again, one of my favorite chapters from the Hive. It's uh, at the end of the first season. It's the very last chapter of the of the first season. That would be an awesome thing to do. So if you want to visit my Patreon page, it's www.patreon.com slash madtails. That would be fantastic. And I will see you guys next week.